On today's edition of Reengineering Your Finances, you know, the retirement planning world is filled with lots of advice and suggestions, but there are some critical questions that sort of lurk in the shadows. These are the unasked or the overlooked questions of retirement planning, but they can help define the comfort and security that you experience in your retirement future. So on today's episode, we're going to unearth and uh, tackle these hidden but essential questions about retirement. Stay tuned. Let's get to it on Reengineering Your Finances. It's time for Reengineering Your Finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Walter Storholt with you this week on the show, as always, alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, a CPA and certified financial planner. Charles, it is great to be with you this week. You are riding high, my friend, as a fan of the Philly sports teams. It's, it's been a good good couple of weeks for you as of uh, today's taping so hopefully that continues oh, absolutely tonight the Phillies are playing for a birth in the World Series and if they don't win tonight they got tomorrow so there's one out of two chances I like the odds and the Eagles last night beat Miami by I think it was a couple touchdowns so uh, you know definitely uh, it's good to be a Phillies fan and this time of the year it's just uh, unbelievable Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so Phillies, uh, I think, as we're recording this, folks, Game 6 tonight, so fingers crossed that they can get through to the World Series, and certainly hopes that is the case for you, Charles, and uh, Eagles looking sharp and ready for the playoffs already, even though we're not even uh, halfway through the season yet. So exciting times all around. There, there's no secrets. There's no hidden uh, hidden information there, Charles. We know that, uh, that those two teams are very good. Uh, but today's topic is the hidden questions of retirement planning. These are the things that maybe go unaddressed or people overlook or kind of forget to ask these important questions. So we want to shine some light on them on today's show. You ready to rock and roll? We're going to cover at least five on the show today. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's jump in here to the first one. And by the way, if you've got any questions for Charles as we go through the show or afterward today, you can always reach out, folks, online at cpweldygroup.com. We'll put Charles's contact information in the description of today's show so you can find it easily as well. Let's talk taxes. Your specialty, Charles, as a CPA and, and one who puts together tax-aware plans for your retirement planning clients. How much are my tax-deferred savings going to cost me in taxes in retirement. Have people given enough thought to that usually when they come in to meet with you? Uh, I don't know if they've given it enough thought. I mean, it's on their minds, but, you know, realistically, it's a hard question to answer. You know, it depends on whether they're single or married. And if they're married, will they be widowed, you know, in the near future, the distant future? What tax bracket are they in? You know, the 12, the 22, the 24? Is it a traditional IRA or is it an inherited IRA? There are different rules. So I, I would think as a rule of thumb, I mean, I basically tell people as a rule of thumb, all that money that you take out of your IRA is not yours. As a general rule, let's just use just for a baseline, 20% goes to the IRS. So if that's the case, think of it this way, Walter. If you need $1,000 from your IRA, you got to take out $1,250 to pay that 20% tax. So again, some people will be in a higher bracket, some people might be in a lower bracket, but the reality of it is all that money is not yours, a certain percentage of that belongs to the Eternal Revenue Service, and they can change the rules. I mean, today the, the rates are 10, 12, 22, and in 2026, it's still going to be 10, but the 12 is going to go up to 15, and the 22 is going to go up to 25. So basically, you know, that tax-deferred account that people have, we don't really know what the true cost of that's going to be until we take the money out. 
And depending upon when we take it out and what the rates are, that's going to be IRS's portion of it. Uh, it's hard to be in a partnership with the Internal Revenue Service when they can change the rules in the middle of the game. And I believe they'll change the rules in the middle of the game because taxes, in my humble opinion, got to go up because of our $33 trillion deficit. They're either going to have to cut benefits, raise taxes, or a combination of both. And, you know, taxes are definitely on the table. Yeah, it's so big. And, and those taxes will be something that's always a layer of the conversation here, even through some of these other questions that we hit on the show today. So that's definitely one sort of hidden question. Maybe you've thought a little bit about what it's going to cost you in taxes and retirement, but have you thought enough about it? That might be the, the differentiator there. All right, another key hidden question in retirement planning, Charles. How much can I withdraw from my savings each year? People focus on piling that number up, but not so much the other way on the way down, right? Yeah, I think in the industry, like the standard might be 4%. And I'm not exactly sure how they got it, but I kind of think if you take 100 divided by 4, that's 25 years. And most people retire in their mid-60s. So let's just say they retired at 65, add 25 years, now they're 90. So by and large, the 4% rule, I think, came out of like, hey, you might have 25 more years living as a joint couple if you're married or a single individual. That's just a rule of thumb. I read recently that uh, Morningstar lowered it to 3.8, maybe about a year ago. But my uh, practice here, I use four and a half. Uh, again, you know, maybe as low as three, maybe as high as five, depending upon your age. But I think, you know, a good rule of thumb, if you have some strategies in your planning, would be four and a half percent. So if I had a million dollars, four and a half percent of a million dollars is forty five thousand dollars a year. I feel comfortable taking forty five thousand a year out of my you know, investments to supplement my lifestyle, provided they're in the right location, you know, and when I say right location, you've got to have safe money, you've got to have money that's invested conservatively, you have to have money that's invested for growth, and you need that conservative investment to pull that money from, so it'll be there when you need it. Yeah, and it's got to focus on those withdrawals. It's just as important as how you are accumulating that money. We just need to increase that importance, I think, in people's minds. It's just that mindset shift that uh, folks might need to go through. And sometimes you, you don't without having somebody kind of poke and prod you to do that. Exactly. All right, let's talk about life insurance. So that's another hidden question because a lot of people just have this assumption that uh, you don't need life insurance when you retire. So this question never then gets asked of, should I have life insurance even while I'm retired? Well, I mean, there's really two types of life insurance. There's like temporary, which is term insurance, and there's permanent, which is like, you know, basically permanent insurance, like whole life or uh, universal life or variable life. Personally, like if somebody already has a policy, it really depends on like how it's performing. So if uh, I have a term policy, generally speaking, like, you know, when the term's up, it's going to expire because the premiums will be much higher after the term expires. So that's kind of like a, you know, a no-brainer. You know, most people don't renew a term policy when they're at a certain age, when they're re at retirement age. However, if they have a permanent policy, they got it because, hey, you know, they want it like long-term, you know, coverage, you know, for the remainder of their life. And it really depends on how that policy has performed. So, you know, there's what they call the net amount at risk. The net amount at risk, just to define it, would be, hey, what's your death benefit and what's your cash value? The difference between your death benefit and your cash value is the net amount at risk for the insurance company. So if I have a $300,000 death benefit 
and I have $150,000 cash value, I'm only paying insurance on the, the net difference, $150,000. Why? Because when I pass away and my spouse or my family gets three hundred grand, dollars of that's my cash value. The insurance company's not at risk for that. They're only at risk for one hundred and fifty, dollars the, the, the balance. So basically, it really depends on, you know, what's the cost of insurance? Is it funded properly? Uh, so as you're older, you know, maybe what you do with that policy that might yeah, you know, you might look at it and it might lapse in the future is maybe you lower the death benefit to lower the insurance costs and make sure that permanent policy remains permanent. So no right or wrong answer. But, you know, when people get older, I mean, I have a, um, a client that is in their 60s that just bought a $300,000 policy. Why they do that? Well, not for a death benefit. They got it for a long-term care benefit. If they need it long-term care, you know, during the next 20, 25 years, they can take you know, so much a month from that $300,000 death benefit and supplement a long-term care benefit. So today, insurance is like a lot different than it was when we were growing up. It was really an expense when we were growing up, and now it really is an asset class that if it's like funded properly can really, you know, give us maybe a better plan and, uh, you know, less risk uh, in the event that we needed, you know, um, a tax-free death benefit for the family, or we need it long-term care for ourselves. So this, uh, should I still have life insurance when I'm retired? I would say, hey, it really depends on the facts and circumstances, but it's not a bad idea if you have excess cash to maybe fund a life insurance policy provided it's funded properly. Mm, it's a really important distinction there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's not the, the top-of-mind piece of the financial puzzle, but it should be a question that's asked at some point in time in the process. Uh, so let's keep that in mind. Let's keep it off of the hidden questions and just put it on our normal questions to ask your advisor and, and through the planning process. All right, uh, at least two more here, uh, hidden questions in retirement planning. What kind of medical coverage will I need over and above Medicare? A lot of folks don't put too much thought beyond the Medicare piece, do they? No, not really. But I mean, uh, I just read an article, uh, Mary Lou Retton, like she was a gymnast back, uh, I guess, like 30 years, 40 years ago. She doesn't even have health insurance. I was shocked. And I guess there's a lot of people out there that don't have health insurance or maybe they don't have the you know, proper amount or proper type of health insurance. So Medicare, you know, once you hit 65, pretty much, you know, that's the uh, program of choice. But most people, my humble opinion, have to like get a supplemental policy because Medicare doesn't cover everything. There's something called the donut gap where you might be on the hook to pay some co-pays or some out-of-pocket costs. That unless you have a Medicare, Medicare supplemental policy, you're going to you know, maybe find yourself uh, you know, at the short end of the stick, so to speak. So I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at my personal situation, that of my clients. Once you hit 65, you know, you got Medicare coming out of your Social Security check if you're collecting Social Security, but you need the supplemental policy. So I would think um, one person, round numbers, it might cost them about $600 a month for Medicare. A, well, A is free for most people. B comes out of your Social Security check. And then the supplemental policy, depending upon, you know, what you pick is somewhere in the area of two, $300 a month. So, I mean, I think everyone should budget that. Um, I mean, I know that I see on TV as we speak, uh, 
you know, different commercials on Medicare Advantage plans. I'm not a big fan of them, only because uh, I think you have to get your, you know, doctors in a certain network, and that might not be feasible if people travel a lot or, you know, go to foreign countries. Um, but again, you know, I mean, I, I, you have choices. You have Medicare Advantage or you have Medicare SUP with basic Medicare. I would just opt for most people to go with the Medicare SUP policy. I think there's more flexibility in the long term. Yeah, it's a really interesting point there to think long-term and short-term. Those solutions may not always align, and so good to consider both of those pieces of the puzzle. All right, last one here, at least for the moment, Charles, Retirement Planning's hidden questions. How much am I really paying in fees and commissions, which often feel hidden to folks in the first place, and then they don't even ask about them, which makes them even more kind of under the radar? Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about fees first, and we'll like you know ease into commissions. But fees basically are you know uh, monies that people pay on either managed accounts or mutual funds that they own, uh, and basically the fees would be internal and external. So uh, an external fee would be hey a management fee. So if I take someone on as a client and I you know propose to manage their money and they agree, I might charge round numbers a one percent annual fee. All right. So basically, they get 99, I get one. That's how it starts. You know, that's not a bad deal for most people. However, you know, depending upon what investments they're in, there could be additional fees, which I call internal fees, things that basically you can't really see. And for the most part, if they're in mutual funds, I mean, there's like low-cost mutual funds like Vanguard, might be like a 0.05, like one half of of 1%. Um, It could be... you know, a low-cost mutual fund, 0.25%. It could be an average mutual fund, 0.75%. It could be uh, an expensive mutual fund, maybe like uh, overseas, 1.25. So when you add them all up, hey, 1% for an advisor, and maybe let's call it like 0.50 for a mutual fund, 1.5 I think is reasonable. The, the client gets to keep, what, you know, 98 and a half percent and one and a half goes out the door for hopefully value device and you know good investments so that's the um the cost you know and again like some of these costs could be as high as three percent um if you're in a variable annuity and let's talk about commissions commissions uh, basically um for the most part i believe are paid by the insurance company to the agent so if someone buys a hundred thousand dollar annuity from yours truly and let's just say my commission's three percent and they just invested a hundred thousand dollars well the insurance company pays me three percent it's what they call a spread uh, and a spread works just like a cd at a bank you go to the bank to buy a cd cds are high today let's just say you can get a five percent cd for you know a year well, how does the bank make money? You know, well, the bank has a spread. Maybe the bank's getting five and a half. They're giving you five. You're happy, and they're happy with that extra half a point. So commissions, you know, there's nothing wrong with commissions. I mean, basically, people buy houses every day. Uh, you know, there's a commission generally on, on, you know, purchasing or selling a house. With investments, you know, sometimes I would imagine maybe they skew the advisor's uh, recommendations. But by and large, you know, Yours truly, speaking about Charles Weldy per se, I just say, hey, you know, does this make sense for the client? If I were them, would I do it? And whether it's fee-based, commission-based, a combination of both, you know, I just do my best to explain to the client, like, you know, what they need, you know, based upon what they share with me. And, you know, obviously the fees are disclosed, the commissions today are disclosed, especially when you're moving IRA money. So there should be no surprise and no 
you know, no real concern about fees unless there's no value being, you know, uh, given, you know, in exchange for those fees. Does that yeah. make sense? It, it does make sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so you put the client's best interest first and then let, let that be the guiding light. And uh, that helps uncomplicate that conversation a little bit. But sounds like people shouldn't hesitate to, to ask their advisor. They can come and ask you straight up, hey, what are my fees? What, what commissions am I paying? How does this all work? That should be a very transparent process. I agree, definitely. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, there's uh, at least five hidden questions in retirement planning we should be aware of. Any others you'd like to throw out there, Charles, that uh, that you think people should just kind of, you know, kind of keep on their radar or raise above the fray a little bit? Well, you know what? One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is, um, you know, with the volatility in the market, they're really doing their best to protect their principal. So, um, you know, you can protect your principal, but if inflation is like uh, three, four, five percent, and you have a hundred grand, and you're only making say one percent in a money market account. You really lost about three or four thousand dollars to inflation. So I think a big mistake people make is really like focusing on protecting their principal, but by doing that, they're actually like you know endangering their purchasing power. So that's really a big mistake that I find people make. They don't realize that you know inflation rears its ugly head each and every year. And I tell the story like my first house, Walter. I might be dating myself, but my first house cost forty-three grand back in nineteen seventy-eight. All right. My last car that I bought 12 years ago, so that was in what, 2011, cost 38000 So that's inflation. You know, a house in 78 almost equals what a car cost in, 19, in, in 2011. Crazy, isn't it? It is. Isn't it funny how things change over time like that? Absolutely. Uh, before a gallon of milk when I retire might be the same as a car today. It's, it, you know, just based on the current trends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I was growing up, they used to deliver milk to your house. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ne- ne- th- th- there's still services that do that. They f- they feel very uh, they feel very high end having milk delivered to your house now, right? Versus it just being the thing that you did. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much. Uh, you know, pe- there's many people in that industry working anymore because obviously, yeah. like you know, the self serve is, is a way to go. Yeah, yeah, and so now getting your groceries delivered and all that, you can have all of your groceries delivered and everything nowadays. So yeah, that's true. Funny stuff. Well, very good. Thanks for that extra bonus tip there on the hidden questions about retirement planning. Uh, great topic today to discuss. If you've got questions about anything we covered or you're looking for a great advisor to work with to help you get to and through retirement, talk about the planning process one-on-one with Charles by getting in touch today. 610-388-7705 is the number to call. 610-388-7705. Or just go online to cpweldygroup.com. You can find out more about Charles online there. Don't forget, he's a certified financial planner and CPA specializing in creating tax-efficient retirement plans. You can find all the contact information in the description of today's show also. Charles, thanks for all the help, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Walter. All right, thank you. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in the state of Ohio. CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice. Insurance and tax services offered through CP Weldy Group are not affiliated with PCA. 
Information received from this podcast should not be viewed as individual investment advice. Product discussions and illustrations are hypothetical in nature and will vary based on many factors, including but not limited to age, health, product, insurance carrier, and product design. You should consult the insurance carrier website and policy for detailed information. Content may have been created by a third party and was not written or created by a PCA-affiliated advisor and does not represent the views or opinions of PCA or its subsidiaries. For information pertaining to the registration status of PCA, please contact the firm or refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website, www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. For additional information about PCA, including fees and services, send for our disclosure statement as set forth on Form ADV from PCA using the contact information herein. Please read the disclosure statement carefully before you invest or send money.